Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. But we ask for an awakening this morning. We ask that you would wake us to your grace, that you would awaken us to your love. Many of us here have been amazed by you at one point in time, but we have lost that sense of amazement. We have lost our awe. We have lost our reverence. Lord Jesus, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Lead us back to a place where we were in all of you again. Awaken us to what you're doing even now. We do pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Well, good morning, Grace Fellowship Church, and Happy New Year to you. If I can have the house lights up a little bit more, that would be great, please. So, you have a new year set before you. Anybody looking forward to a new year? Yeah. How many loved the last year? Um, I want to encourage you in a moment to understand that loving the last year is a very important thing for you to do. This last year was a wonderful year for spiritual growth. We're going to talk about that today, but I want to ask the question first, how many of you like new things, something that's new? You like something that's new? Tracy and I discovered a new coffee this year. It's called Frosty's Favorite. It's like Christmas in a cup. Anybody like coffee? I have, now you hear, if I give you this coffee, who wants the coffee? you got to smell it for us. Do you like caffeinated or decaffeinated, Bonnie? Both. Well, I'm going to give you the decaf because surely most people don't want that. You ready? Now, what you got to do, Bonnie, is you got to smell that for us and you have to dance a little jig. All right, just smell it and say, this is awesome. All right, who who wants the caffeinated one? Someone's the caffeinated one. You don't have to dance a little jig. You just have to tell us how awesome it is. You can smell it. Hey, good catch. You got to smell it and you got to stand up and say, this is awesome. Oh, now she got to take her coat off. This is awesome. See? Isn't it awesome? It's made of cinnamon and honey and graham crackers. Everybody go, oh. I got a new Christmas present this year. It's a new Star Wars character. It's the child. Is anybody familiar with the child? Just a few, only a few Mandalorian fans out there. This is Grogu. I've been telling Tracy for years I want a new baby, and this is what I got. (laughs) Now, my precious daughter-in-law thought about me and gave me this. I'm wanting a real child someday soon, 
but this is new and it's exciting. Now, of course, in a few weeks, it will go in a closet, probably. New things are often exciting to us. The scripture declares that Jesus Christ is making all things new. So today we're going to talk about all things new. You see, whenever God's people see God doing something new, they are filled with awe. They are filled with a sense of awe and reverence that is unmatched by anything else around us. Scripture says in Acts 2.43, they were all filled with a sense of awe. This was at the beginning of the church, and the apostles were doing great miraculous signs and wonders, and everyone was filled with awe. Listen to some of the scripture, Matthew 9.8. Jesus heals a paralyzed man, and when the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe. At the transfiguration, while he, Peter, was still speaking, by the way, Peter spoke a lot. Anybody know that? Any of you speak too much? I have a little word for you. It's called wait. Why? No, no. Yes, wait. Why am I talking? Say that. Why am I talking? Now say waste. Why am I still talking? (laughs) Peter was like that. And at the transfiguration, while this crazy thing was happening in front of him, he was talking, and a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, shut up. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces, and they were filled with awe. This too was new. Matthew 27, 54, at the crucifixion of the Christ, the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and things happening, the tombs breaking open and and people being raised from the dead and the temple curtain was torn in two, they were terribly frightened and they were filled with awe. And they said, this truly was the son of God. All of this was new to everyone who saw it. When Jesus calmed the storm and the disciples were terrified of drowning, the word says, and they were filled with awe and said to one another, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. This certainly was new to the disciples. And when Zachariah's tongue was freed after the birth of John the Baptist, it says they were all lived around him were filled with awe. The founding of the church, as I mentioned, everyone was filled with awe. And at the healing of a lame man by Peter at the gate beautiful, they were all filled with a sense of awe. Psalm 52, 6 says this, the godly on the day that God will bring justice to evil. Anybody looking forward to that day? They will be filled with awe on that day. And in the book of Revelation, chapter eleven, thirteen, at that moment there was a great earthquake and one-tenth of the city was destroyed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the rest were filled with awe and acknowledged the glory of the God of heaven. So it's true that when God does new things, God's people are filled with a sense of awe. So here's my question for you. Is God done doing new things? 
Absolutely not. He's doing them all the time. So here's the next most important question. Why are we not more often filled with a sense of wonder, astonishment, and awe? The obvious answer is we're missing what God is doing. We might settle for the smell of a good cup of coffee and a little baby Yoda here and get excited about things that, yes, some of them are good things. Coffee's a good thing. Anybody say amen to that? But too often we are not aware of God's presence at work in and around us and we miss the sense of wonder and awe that God is longing for us to have. Today I have the honor of updating you and giving you an example of God's astonishing and awesome work right here at Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. Many of you know that we took a special Christmas offering this year. Um, our charter was that we wanted together in a goal to raise $25,000 for two incredible ministries. New Life right here in Glen Rock, which is a home for mothers and children. And then also New Life Children's Home in Guatemala which is an orphanage for children without parents and children in need. So when we set out to do this as elders, we thought, okay, $25,000, that's a pretty good chunk of a goal right now. If we don't meet that goal, maybe we can supplement it some from savings and actually meet the goal. Well, can I tell you, Grace Fellowship Church, what God has done? God has provided $54,665.77. Now what you just did was you responded in awe. Do you understand that God is doing things all the time that could give us a sense of wonder and awe? I'll tell you, I had the honor of contacting one of the recipients because we're just going to split this in half and give half to the Guatemala Children's Home and then half to New Life here. And that means we're going to be cutting them a check right now for $27,332 at this point in time. But guess what? We're not done yet because we haven't counted what was in the drop boxes on Christmas Eve. So I called Rachel. In Glen Rock this week, I think she was out at Walmart or something, I don't know, but she didn't care, obviously. When I told her what was coming her way, there was the most unmistakable sense of astonishment and awe and joy. She was yelling and hooting and screaming and laughing and rejoicing in the Lord because he had done something wonderful. Joe Restuccio had the honor of contacting them in Guatemala and just said they were overwhelmed with the gift of God through us to them. You see, this is the Lord at work here, right amongst us. But there are other things too. And one of the things I wanted to cast vision for this morning is where we're going after the first of the year. And I want you to know that we have decided at Grace Fellowship Church to start a series called Knowing Jesus. And this series is going to be in the book of John. How many are familiar with the book of John? All right, hopefully everybody. It's one of the Gospels, you know, it's pretty important. And our objective throughout this whole time, this journey, we're not even calling it a series, will to be know Jesus more. Not to know about him, but to know him more. Now, by the way, we're going to teach verse by verse through the entire book of John. This is new for us. We've never done this before at Grace. And by the way, we don't know when it's going to end. 
Give you a little heads up. Pastor in Philadelphia taught through the book of John. It took him 17 years. Jesus, let's hope, let's hope. So chances are we won't take that long, but we will be in this book together for quite some time, growing closer to Jesus together for quite some time. Why? Because that's the most important thing to us. Now we've also given you a a little late Christmas gift. Uh, On your way out today, you will receive an illuminated scripture journal for the Gospel of John. This is the word-for-word Gospel of John in a scripture journal with artwork and places for you to take notes. We will ask that you would take this if you are a member of Grace Fellowship Church, if you plan on calling Grace your home, if you plan on coming through this series, you online, you can come in during the week and get these books in the office during office hours. And we want to make this a gift to you because we want to be on the same page, pardon the pun, throughout each step of the journey together. Well, you might say, Jeff, that's great, really, truly awesome about the offering. I mean, the new journey through John, even a new journal. How often, you know, am I supposed to be excited about that? Well, outward manifestations of God's presence and glory do take place around us. But the question might be, how can I live with a sense of awe waiting for those things to happen? You don't have to wait for things to happen around you. The scripture declares that things should be happening inside of you. And this is really where our greatest sense of awe should come. Not for the things that are happening miraculously around us, but the things that miraculously are happening in us. I'm going to read for you 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Would you say that after me? Though outwardly we are wasting away. Anybody say amen to that? Let's you in a little wasting of waste stuff for me. Um, back on November 7th, I had some kind of issue with my sight again. And uh, many of you know I had a stroke close to five years ago, so that was a little bit scary for me. And uh, they threw me in a can recently, an MRI can and a CAT scan can. They pumped me full of dye on both occasions. Do you know that when you take CAT scan dye, it makes you feel like you're going to pee yourself? The woman literally was putting this stuff in me, and she goes, now it's going to feel like you're peeing yourself. I'm like, are you serious? She said, you're going to feel all this warmth in your upper body, and then you're going to feel like you're peeing yourself. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then you know, two minutes later, I'm like, really, I'm not peeing myself right now? She said, no, you're not. Believe me, you're not. So I went from there, which revealed nothing, to an ophthalmologist, and she shined really bright lights in my eyes that blinded me literally for like an hour. Then I went to someone else, and I find out that I have corneal edema, which is why I'm wearing my regular glasses today. And don't you just want to go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor all the time? I think of that woman who touched Jesus' hem of his garment and said she had suffered for many years under the care of many doctors. (laughs) I can really relate to that one. Those of us who are getting older know we're wasting away outwardly. Yet, yet... But inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Say that after me. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How many of you would call 2020 light and momentary affliction? Anybody? No? Would you call it more than light and momentary affliction? How many? How many would say 2020 was hard? Just a few. Gosh, man, that's amazing. Well, this year was hard. It's hard for a lot of us. But can I tell you something? These light momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We'll talk more about that today. I wanted to find for you the word awe. Awe is defined this way, an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, and wonder produced by that which is grand, sublime, extremely powerful, overwhelming, or the like. And I put in this, it is produced in encountering God's presence. Again, an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, and wonder produced by encountering God and his work. The objective is to more often encounter God in ways that take our breath away. Listen to this little phrase that I think is very beautiful. Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the number of moments that take our breath away. I'm going to say that again. Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the number of moments that take our breath away. When did you last have a moment that took your breath away? Some of you say, I don't have time for that, Jeff. Well, that's part of the problem. Biblical awe is always related to the presence of God, and it belongs only to those who are in Christ. Why? Because those who are not in Christ cannot see the things that Jesus are doing. But those of us who are in Christ, he reveals to us himself and the things that he is doing. Now listen to me. Often our greatest awareness of God's presence comes in and through our darkest hours. Listen, God's grace and a humble human spirit always brings about a deepening awareness of God's presence. And with him, there is always an awe-filled response. Now, no one is filled with awe and wonder all the time. But our objective is progress, not perfection. Say that after me. Progress, not perfection. So this morning will be a morning of awe-filled storytelling. How many people like stories? So, oh, thank you. That's wonderful. We're going to tell a few stories this morning. Some of them are straight out of the scripture and others are right out of lives. What about four stories this morning that you're going to listen to? Many of these stories have things in common. The first thing is the presence of God. That's in all of them. Some of them have the presence of angels. All have human brokenness and divine joy and the human emotions of fear and even despair and divinely inspired responses of gratitude, worship, and yes, awe-filled moments that take away the breath of God's people. Remember, the response of wonder and awe are based on our awareness of the presence of God and what he is doing. And often we become most aware of him through our darkest hours. Why? Because when it's dark, we are most often aware of our dependence. And because when it's dark, this is when things often change in us. Say this after me. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. So when things get hard for us, then we're most often ready to listen to God and make a change. 
So story number one is the death of my dad. I'm going to try and make through with this one. Surely the Lord was in this place and I was unaware. 1996, Tracy and I headed for Florida to see my parents. Zachary was one year old. It's one of the darkest hours of my life so far. It took my dad seven years to die from leukemia. I can tell you that's a long time to die. Dad was in and out of consciousness the whole time we were with him. He would wake up at times with a groan that indicated the level of pain in his body. It was very hard to watch and very hard to listen to. But there were several moments I will never forget. One time he woke up and he pointed at the ceiling and he made the sound that only comes from a sense of awe. It was like this. It was like, oh, oh. And he was pointing at the ceiling, and I hadn't even seen my dad this illuminated for weeks. It's that kind of awe that comes when you exhale all at once with your mouth wide open. I'll never forget his face, and I'll never forget his joy. He was filled with awe. And he, and he said, do you see that? And I said, Dad, what? He said, there's an arm reaching for me. They're angels. They're so beautiful. I said, Dad, what do they want? He said, they want for me to go with them. I said, why don't you go, Dad? And he said, your mom. And he just fell over. Went right back to sleep again. We had to go talk to Mom. We said, Mom, you need to go in and tell Dad it's okay to let him go. It's okay for him to go. My mom went in a day later and he said, she said, it's okay to go, Tom. It's okay to go. And a day later, my dad entered the presence of God forever, where there is complete and unadulterated wonder, awe, and joy. How do I know where my dad is? He knew Jesus. How do I know there's wonder, awe, and joy there? Because the Bible tells me so. You see, the scripture says very clearly that there is joy in the presence of God. And there is awe and wonder in the presence of God. And my dad went right into the presence of God. After my dad died, it was probably one of the darkest moments of my life, I went into a deep depression. I talked to my friend Doris, and I said, Doris, she was my mentor at the time, everywhere I look, I only see darkness. How many people knew Doris Gotcher? Anybody here? Wow, a few. She was a precious woman of God. I said, Doris, everywhere I look, I only see darkness. You know what she said to me? She said, Jeff... Go into the darkness, that's where God is. She didn't even remember saying it to me, but you know what that gave me permission to do? It gave me permission to go into the basement of my townhouse in Lock Raven Village and sob my guts out. And you know what? I met God in my pain. See, so many of us want to encounter God, but we don't want to go into the dark places with him. We don't want to go into the places of suffering with him. Some of us are not encountering him because we refuse to go to those places that are hard, like difficult emotions, sadness, anger, grief. Or how about visiting difficult relationships and the truth that needs to be brought there? Remember, we most often encounter God's presence in awesome ways in our darkest and toughest hours. But sometimes that means we must take the hand of God and walk into the tough stuff. 
So here's my first question. What's tough that you are avoiding? Dad, in his fullness of wonder and joy, certainly is experiencing all of that now. Both my parents are. They're home with the Lord. I wonder how you'd respond if you became aware right now that there are angels in this room. Anybody aware that there are angels in this room right now? Do you think you'd be in awe and wonder if you saw one? Tracy's seen angels. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it when she told me about it. You do know they're here with us right now, right? I mean, in Hebrews 1, 14, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's you. That's me. Now, we're not supposed to worship them, but we are supposed to thank God for them and know that they're here and that God has sent them to minister to us. You also know one day you're going to die, right? How many people in here are going to die? The mortality rate is hovering right around 100%. It's really important thing about you that you know that you're on Jesus' side before that day comes. That day can come faster than you know, and the day that you die, you will either be eternally glorified like my dad has been, or you will be eternally horrified. There's also angels in Satan's camp, too. They're falling angels. Angels, by the way, are not some poofy little Casper-like characters. They are fierce, angelic warriors. In 2 Kings 19, it says, The night the angel of the Lord, that's one angel, went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. One angel in the Old Testament killed 185,000 people. Anybody paying attention now? See, these angels are in both camps. And which angels you meet when you die will be based solely on one thing and one thing alone. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know him? You see, if you don't know him, I beg you to consider him. If you're online and you're watching right now and you don't know him, I beg you to consider him. He is the light of the world. He is life. He is love. He is everything you are searching for. And it's simple. You just say, Jesus, I agree with you that I am a sinner and I receive your payment on the cross for my sins. Come into my heart and make it your home. You say it in whatever words you want to say it in, but you invite him in. You say, I want to have a relationship with you, God, I desperately need you, Jesus. Come in and live inside of me. And the scripture is awesome in the fact that it says Jesus will never turn away anyone who comes to him. Never. What a gift. Now, some of you who know Christ have already tasted this all, and you've already tasted heaven. Why? Because heaven is based solely on one thing, the very presence of God. And in his presence, there is awe, joy, and wonder forever. Now, some of you get all hung up on thinking that you're not going to see your dog in heaven. I have had these questions many times. Uh, Jeff, do you think Fido will be there in heaven? And look, how many people love their dogs? I love my dog, Zoe. She's going to be in heaven soon. She's 16, and she's a Bedlington Terrier. Now, she might set a record, but she's old. And I know she's going to go home to the Lord sometime soon. Um, I do believe that, by the way, 
there are animals in heaven. But can I tell you this? You're not going to care if Fido's in heaven when you get there. You're like, how can you say that, Jeff? I love Fido. No, 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 no. The love of your life is Jesus Christ. And when you see him, he will not be able to look anywhere else. Do you understand that what you're longing for in your dog or whatever it is or in your grotto or whatever it is is found only in Jesus Christ? And so when you get to heaven, you will be in awe and wonder and joy forever. So story number two. I can guarantee that most of you are familiar with this one. Here's the first part of the story. Everybody know what that is? A Charlie Brown Christmas tree. How many people have never seen Charlie Brown's Christmas special? Okay, a few in the back. Go home, dial up on Amazon. You got to watch it. It's a very spiritual message. This is the tree that Charlie Brown picked out. This is the universal sign of human failure, frailty, shame, and embarrassment. Charlie Brown, you know, was laughed at by the whole gang. Remember, they sent him out to get a nice aluminum Christmas tree, and he brought back this. And the whole gang laughed at him. And guess what? Even his dog, Snoopy, laughed at him. Can I tell you something, folks? It is a bad day indeed when your dog laughs at you. That is what you call a humbling moment. And God is the master of using humbling moments to usher us into a deeper awareness of his presence. How many of you have been humbled by God? Remember, God's grace plus a humble human spirit will always lead to a deepening awareness of God's presence. And in God's presence, you will be filled with a sense of wonder and awe. Now, remember in this little story here, Charlie Brown yells out, does anybody really know what Christmas is all about? And then the prophet Linus steps forward, clothed in his garb, and he reads from Luke 2. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I want you to understand in this verse, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That is, they were gasping with humble, joyful awe. You see, they were filled with awe in the presence of again. Here again, we see people experiencing pain and experiencing the presence of God, receiving the good news that Jesus is with them. How do I know these shepherds were in pain? Well, I really don't. It's just an educated guess. Shepherds were some of the most marginalized people of their time. They were the Charlie Browns, the blockheads. God did not choose to first reveal this good news of great wonder, awe, and joy to King Herod, to the religious leaders, to the aristocracy. He didn't choose to reveal it to the celebrities of the time. He didn't choose to reveal it to the most highly educated or those who had the most money or those who had the most plaudits and popularity or even those who were most spending their time in the temple. He chose to reveal this good news of great awe and joy to the poor and the needy. 
This is why Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Billy Graham was once approached by a man who said, well, I don't really understand that. Shouldn't we strive to be rich in spirit? And Graham brilliantly responded with the following. What did he mean? He simply said, we must be humble in our spirits. If we're to put the word humble in the place of the word poor, you will understand what Jesus meant. Blessed are those who are humble in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. How many of you are humble most of the time? I think that just put us in the pride category. If you say you're humble, then immediately you've transgressed the fact, right? How many of you are prideful most of the time? You see, we're inclined to pride. That's the way that we're inclined to live. Why? Because we still have this flesh on us. And God revealed himself in a beautiful way to the humble And they were filled with a sense of awe. I want to transition to yet another story. Here's the next story. I want to invite you into Jacob's Ladder. How many of you are familiar with this story? Here's a story where angels are present and the presence of God is angel. And you need to understand what's going on before we look at the verses we're going to look at. Rebecca, Jacob's mom, had plotted together with, um, to have Isaac give Jacob his older brother's birthright. And they succeed. Esau, who's Jacob's older brother, is really ticked off. He is lit up and he vows to kill his brother due to this treachery. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Jacob is feeling some humility? Yes. So Rebecca learns of this and he tells Jacob to run to his uncle Laban. This is indeed a very dark hour for Jacob. Remember God's grace Plus, a humble human spirit always brings about a deepening awareness of God's presence. I'm going to read to you from Genesis 28, verses 10 and after. We're going to jump around a little bit in here. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head to lay down to sleep. Hmm. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth and its top was reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you your descendants, the land on which you were lying. And he goes on and he promises to him what he had promised to Abraham. Listen to verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Can you say that after me? Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You see, in his darkness... Jacob encountered God's presence. And he had an awe-filled moment. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, which means the house of God. And through the city used to be called Luz. You see, he set up a monument. He remembered how God visited him in his darkest hour. Do you take note, people of God, of how God visits you in your darkest hours. 
And do you make monuments to remember these blessings by? You see, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. See, the question isn't, is God with you? The question is, are you aware of his presence? If you are, surely it will lead to a great sense of wonder and awe and joy, even in your darkest hours. Listen, I want you to understand something. Jesus calls himself the gate. Do you understand that? He is the gate. He is the sheep gate, the gate in which he enters. Jesus was present there with Jacob. Can you say these words after me? Jesus, you are the gate of heaven. Say that. Jesus, you are the gate of heaven. Now listen, and by your grace, I am none other than the house of God. Can you say that with me? And by your grace, I am none other than the house of God. You see, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who are in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Do you understand that you are the sacred house of God? Jesus, being the gate of heaven, has given you access to heaven. I want to remind you of a very difficult truth, and here's the truth. God's awesome presence is most often made known to us in our darkest hours. So there's two things I want you to know here. The more that you learn to take the hand of Jesus and walk into the dark and the tough stuff, the more you encounter his awesome presence. And the more that you eventually learn to thank Jesus for the trials of this life, the more you will eliminate the unnecessary pain that comes to you. I'm gonna say that again. If you can learn to thank Jesus for the tough stuff of life, you will immediately transgress it. God will lift you above it and you will unmistakably encounter his presence and be filled with a godly sense of awe. I'm very honored to introduce to you today uh, a sister of ours, a member of Grace Fellowship Church and the co-director of Life Recovery Ministry. Her name is Jill Previs, and she has agreed to come this morning and share with us a portion of her awe-filled life story in Jesus Christ. Would you please warmly welcome Jill. Godspeed. Good morning. It's an honor to be here and to share a story of mine that demonstrates, Lord, surely you're in this place, but I am not aware of it. For those of you who are not familiar with our family story, on December 6, 2008, we discovered that our beautiful 17-year-old daughter was a full-blown heroin addict. Of course, as any family, it rocked our world. Because I'd been a high school nurse, I knew that we needed to act quickly, listen to the professionals, and of course, rely on the Lord, because this was all way bigger than us. I'd also like to note, in preparation for what I'm going to share, I have permission from my daughter, Caroline, to share this story. And for purpose of anonymity, when I refer to an officer, I will use a fictitious name of Officer Joe. So here we go. Once we found out about our daughter's addiction, we sent her to detox and extended treatment. By God's grace, we were able to keep her in extended treatment for a year. At the end of the year, everyone thought she was ready to come back to the Maryland area. She moved in with a woman that was in recovery that rented rooms to other women in recovery. She got a job, a sponsor, 
and all the things that you hope someone new in recovery would do. However, three weeks after she arrived back to the area, we received a call on a Monday evening at 10.30 at night. It was not the call I wanted to receive. It was Caroline. I could tell she was distraught. My heart started to beat so fast, and she said, hold on, a police officer wants to talk to you. Of course, my heart plunged. The gentleman introduced himself as Officer Joe, and he said, I have your daughter here with one of her friends, and they're in a part of Baltimore City that they have no place being in. He said, I found drug paraphernalia in the back seat. I asked him what the paraphernalia was, and he said, needles. Once again, my heart plunged. He said, I have to search her car. If I find any drugs, we will need to call Baltimore City Police. Fortunately, my husband and I had been working an Al-Anon program, which is a 12-step program that helps family members who have loved ones struggling with addiction. So, we, so I was very calmly, and matter of fact, able to say, okay, if you need to call Baltimore City Police and she goes to Baltimore City Jail, we're good with that. Officer Joe said, I will search your car and I'll call you back. When I hung up the phone, my husband started getting dressed to go down to get her. I called our therapist and explained what was going on. And the first thing she said, whatever you do, don't go down there and rescue her. Wow, that was a hard one to swallow. But listening to the advice of professionals was part of how we set boundaries with our daughter. So Officer Joe called back and he said, good news, I didn't find any drugs in her car. I will stay here with her until you guys can come down and get her. I told him we're not coming down to get her. And he said, well, what do you mean? Her friend's father is coming to get her. I told him we're not coming to get her and I asked if I could share what had occurred over the past year. He said, sure. I told him about finding out her addiction. I told him about being in treatment, her being in treatment for a year. I told him about how much money we had spent. I told him that, we, that she was supposed to be working a 12-step program. He said, hold on, I'm gonna put you on speakerphone. And at that time, he proceeded to get very emotional and actually fought back tears. And he tells Caroline, you listen to me, young lady. I'm not gonna let you put your mother through what my brother put my mother through. Your mother loves you very much. And I'm gonna, he told her, I'm gonna give you my cell phone number and you're gonna call, you're gonna start going back to 12-step meetings and you're gonna call me every month for one year. And you're gonna tell me, Officer Joe, I have one month clean. Officer Joe, I have two months clean. Officer Joe, I have three months clean. He also told her, if I see you and your friends in this area ever again, I will call Baltimore City Police. He also told me to write down his cell phone number, and he said if I needed anything to call him. At this point, I was overwhelmed with emotions. I began to cry. The only thing I could think of at that time was asking Officer Joe if he'd ever watched the television show Touched by an Angel. And he said, yes. And I said, well, you're that angel. It was at this moment that I had experienced an unmistakable sense of God's presence. 
When we hung up the phone, we did not know where our daughter was going to go that night. We got messages out to family members and friends to not let her stay with them. We knew that she needed to feel the consequences of her actions and that we were not going to get in God's way with that. I won't lie, this was really, really hard. I remember having a sick feeling in my stomach when you get bad news. Thank goodness God directed me to pick up my Bible and start reading. I also grabbed a devotional I was reading at the time that directed me to John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace in the world. In the world you have tri- will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I clung to those words over the next couple of days. The next day, our daughter called us and said in the, mor- in the morning that she was okay, that she went to work, she'd been in touch with her sponsor. However, as the day unfolded, she lost her job. She got evicted for breaking the sober clause in her lease. We took the car from her because it was in our name, and family and friends would not take her in. For me, the next couple of days, reality set in. Caroline's relapse was worse than finding out about her addiction. I was so emotionally unstable. However, during all of this, there was a peace and a sense of awe and wonder that I could not understand. Friends would even say to me, how do you seem so calm? The only response I could give was it is all God and it is all his grace. Over the next three days, many things emerged, all of which had God's hands all over them. Caroline was able to get a scholarship and return to treatment in Florida. She got serious about her recovery. As the weeks went by, we could tell that things were different about her, and she truly was surrendering to her addiction. Within four months, she was ready to come back to Maryland and live in a sober living house with four other women in recovery. She worked with her sponsor. She went to 12-step meetings. And during this time, she was calling Officer Joe every month and reporting in. As God would have it, she got an amazing recovery under her belt. When it came time to celebrate her one-year anniversary at her 12-step home group meeting, she invited Officer Joe to attend. He showed up. At the end of her share, he asked if he could speak. This is what he shared. First, he congratulated Caroline on her one year of sobriety. Then he shared that he had some things to confess. First, up to this time, Caroline thought he was a police officer, but he confessed that he was a security officer, but he wanted Caroline to think that he was a police officer because of the fear it caused her. He also looked out into the room and spoke to everyone in the room. And he very emotionally shared that having Caroline report in every month was healing to him. He confessed that he had once been a drug dealer and that was something that had weighed very heavily on his heart for many years. He said God used that past year to help heal him of his guilt and shame. At this point, There was not a dry eye in the room. Surely, the Lord is in this place, and I am not aware of it. Several years later, Caroline got engaged. 
she invited Officer Joe to her wedding. What a beautiful way that God continued to use Officer Joe in her life. From a scary dark night to an amazing bright future. Caroline now has 11 years of uninterrupted sobriety. She is happily married. She has two beautiful girls. Then we have our granddaughters. And she owns a nonprofit 12-bed women's living sober house in northern Baltimore City. Her passion is to give back to other women struggling with addiction. Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Thank you. Jill, thank you so much for your willingness to share that story of God's awesome presence in a dark hour indeed. So we have one more story. It's yours. You know, here's the thing. So often God writes incredible stories in each one of our lives in a place where we can acknowledge, Lord, surely you were in this place and I was not aware of it. And yet we don't tell the story of his goodness and his presence. Listen to this. Jesus Christ declares that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the power of our story, our witness. Child of God, can you leave this place telling someone just how good God is? Can you leave this place sharing your story of redemption and salvation with at least one other person? As a matter of fact, don't just tell anybody, tell everybody. For the hour is short, God will be glorified. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Let's stand together as I transition us to a time of worship. Lord Jesus, we come before you now and we acknowledge that you are good, that you are faithful, that there is no one like you. We ask now in your precious name that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. For you are the one, you are the one who is writing new stories every day in the lives of those you love. Father, help us to become aware of your presence in such a way that we are filled with reverence and awe for who you are. For there is no one like you, Jesus. We ask this all in the precious name of Yeshua, the Messiah, and all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.